Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Thoughtful Talent Show. I'm Jen Werner from Jen Werner Coaching. And I'm Chad Ahern from Talent Teams Consulting. And today we are pleased to welcome my uh, a fellow Gallup Certified Strength Coach and my good friend, Chris Hines. Uh, welcome, Chris. Uh, Thanks, Jack. Invited, Thanks, Jen. Yeah, we've invited Chris here to talk about uh, the Clifton Strengths talent theme of empathy. Uh, Chris, uh, by way of introducing him, uh, coaches and trains business professionals to align their life and work with their personality, purpose, and priorities. Uh, he's led over 250 workshops for various organizations. Chris and his family are based in the lovely Charlotte's, um, Charlottesville, Virginia, where he runs his own business, Chris Hines Co., and teaches for the Trinity Fellows uh, Leadership Program. You can find him at chrishines.com. Uh, we, we also actually learned from Chris in our pre-show that you have an upcoming challenge program. I was wondering if maybe you want to take a couple, you know, a, a minute maybe to give us a lowdown and maybe let our listeners who, who catch us, uh, catch this episode in time, um, how they might mm -hmm. be able to sign up for it. Uh, so yeah, I would love I'm to gonna, I'm gonna put the mic to you now. Great. Thanks, Chad and Jen, again, for having me. I love that you're highlighting uh, specific talent themes uh, so we all can grow from one another. So that's cool. Yeah, listeners. Um, uh, so we're doing this challenge uh, starting March 6th. It's a week-long challenge, and the title of it is Five-Day Ideal Life and Work Challenge. What Great. I find is that some people are doing really well at work. Some people are doing really well in home life, um, but aren't really thinking about the the connections mm. or the relationship between work and life. Um, and so what we're going to do is take five days, five days in a row that week, March 6th week of some daily training, some, some reflections, exercises to really help folks think about things like a, a whole life inventory, uh, work mindset, uh, living from your core values, identifying your core values, uh, pay attention to your personality, and then also coming out of that, creating action steps and habits. So you really do feel like you have a cohesive, congruent life and work mix. So we'd love for any of you to jump on board. It's free, totally free. You oh, can nice. go to chrishines.com slash challenge. So chrishines.com slash challenge, sign up, get, get in the mix. We'd love to have you. Awesome. awesome. That sounds fantastic and really engaging. Um, and it actually is kind of a nice bleed into or lead into our episode today because if we're talking about uh, empathy and um, the emotion, uh, emotional wavelengths that impact us all, mm -hmm. um, that sounds like a really interesting way to to approach it. So thank you very much for letting our listeners uh, maybe get a, a first snap at uh, signing up. Um, we, as I said, are really happy to have you here to talk about empathy, uh, particularly since I know for myself, uh, this theme is not particularly high. It's number 15 in my order. So it's actually one of my first few supporting talent themes, those that I don't use on a necessarily daily basis. Um, so I, I want to start us off first, uh, Jen, I want to invite you. I know I normally read this, but since uh, I've had the pleasure of introducing uh, Chris, Love for you to read us off the how Gallup defines this theme to, to start us all off and then um, maybe also tell us about where this theme falls for you. Yeah, sure. So and, and for Gallup, they define this as people exceptionally talented in the empathy theme can sense others people's feelings by imagining themselves in others lives or situations. Uh, so like Chad said, this is, I wouldn't call it a supporting strength for me. I do count, count it as one of my dominants, but it is number 10 for me. That's where it falls. Um, so as, as it doesn't have the, the strength and um, passion that I believe your empathy probably does as, as yours is within your top five. So yeah. we're excited to have you here today to share with us like how this shows up for you and just tips and tricks from someone who actually has empathy yeah. high. So that leads us into our very first question that we wanted to pose to you. And I, I get the pleasure, um, given uh, I invited you on, uh, of asking you, uh, first, where does this theme fall for you? Jen kind of highlighted that um, we know it falls in your top five, but for our listeners, where exactly does it fall? And then maybe if you could start to 
share with us about kind of how this theme shows up for you. I know we're going to get to the sort of positives and negatives um, of how it can impact your life in a minute, but just generally, how does this show up um, and play out in your life? Yeah. Well, for me, empathy is number four uh, okay. in my top five. Um, and so it's my, it's my highest in, uh, relationship building talent in my top, my top five. And I rely on it all the time. Uh, to do the work that I do and to relate to people the way I do. So generally, um, I can sense what others are feeling. You know, I'm often paying attention to what others may be experiencing or feeling. So I walk into a room, my radar's kind of up and I'm like, who's feeling what, you know? Um, uh, it also helps me, me pay attention to other people. I'm like very acutely aware of who's in the room, uh, and what may matter to them. So I'm really kind of dialed into the who uh, in a room or in a situation. I very naturally understand other people's perspectives or, or I seek to understand other people's perspectives. Um, I often will bring the other point of view in to, to a room if I feel like it's missing. I think Harmony can do that often also, but I, I want to bring in other relevant points of view and put myself in other people's shoes so I find myself often sort of defending other perspectives <laughs> or other points of view that I think shouldn't be left out. Uh, generally, too, it really helps me be in tune with family members and friends, people who who really matter to me. Um, and and as a as a coach and a speaker, it's great to attune me to the audience or to the client because I really feel like I can track with them as as we're working together. Nice, Those are great. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I, I'm going to bring up a couple of things that you highlighted in our pre-show, just as you were starting to introduce us to how your theme, uh, how your um, empathy theme uh, and empathy talent show up for, for you. You talked about sort of a, a two-channel uh, view. Um, and I don't know, maybe this is something you plan on getting to later on, but I found it fascinating when you brought it up when we talked about just sort of how this generally shows up for you about sort of that direct conversation. And then I think mm. you talked about sort of like a disembodied um, vantage point. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you yeah. could go a little deeper, I don't want to massacre the idea that you brought up yesterday yeah. uh, you know, in the pre-show. Yeah, I sort of think about it like the movie Ghost. If any of you have seen the movie Ghost, sorry for a spoiler alert, but it's like <laughs> Patrick Swayze does pass away and immediately this sort of second body pops up and is like seeing the scene. And I kind of think of empathy, empathy that way, where I'm like in a situation, but I have this awareness of another level, which is not just me participating in the situation, but me kind of seeing above and perceiving the other people's, the other person's feelings or experience or perspective. And that, perception is informing my participation hmm. in the moment. So it's kind of like operating in real time mode directly, but then kind of perceiving and being aware of what's happening as well. And that input data perception informing how I participate in the situation. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's super powerful. I can imagine just given that all three of us are coaches, I can only imagine how powerful that is when you're, you know, coaching one-on-one -on -one with somebody mm -hmm. to have that dual channel. Um, yeah, it does. It helps me pay attention to really important moments. Um, you know, in, in coaching, when establish a, a good, strong coaching presence uh, of trust and rapport and tracking along with the client. And I have an easy job. I have other struggles with coaching, <laughs> but... <laughs> in some ways but what's easy for me is really tracking with the client and paying attention well that that really feels important or um you know you you're appearing kind of upset or sad right now like what's that about so it helps helps me be in tune nice so with that broad understanding of kind of how it plays out uh and we've talked about this in all of our other episodes about you know our themes can take us to some some sort of darker places and have sort of a negative impact on our work or life. I'm going to start us off there. I know Jen's going to take us back to the positive side here in a second. Um, but talk to me about how some of those things, how that those natural ways of it showing up 
can go dark. Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes I can be too sympathetic with someone, um, you know, maybe maybe catering too much to, to their feelings or they're emerging into their point of view a little too much where the line needs to be separated or maybe where my role in their life needs to be more of direction, you know, um, or maybe something I need to draw the line somewhere. And I think I can blur boundaries a little bit too easily and being too sympathetic because I'm very much aware and almost feel maybe their pain, their hesitance, their ambivalence. And mm. so to kind of like draw a line feels wrong mm. uh, because I'm seeing their point of view so clearly. So I can be too yeah. sympathetic. Sometimes I won't say what needs to be said because maybe I feel like it's going to hurt their feelings or it's not <laughs> aligning with their their feeling or their ethic right now. And so then I don't want to say what needs to be said. Um, I, I definitely can fall into that trap. Uh, sometimes um, it feels too heavy to walk with someone in their feelings or their perspective. So I will just choose to turn it off. Like, I don't oh. want to walk this way with you. So I'll just turn it off. And maybe that's not the best thing in the moment. Sure. And yeah. so I can be selfish. I can be <laughs> selfish with how I use my empathy. Cause I'm like, I'm not walking this way with you. No. Cause there's a kind of mutuality with empathy where I'm like, I'm walking this with you. I feel it. I see your perspective. It's a shared experience now. And they may be able to leave the situation, no attachment, just like done. We're, we're, you know, clear page, you know, clear slate, clean slate, but I'm still in it emotionally. And so I know that dynamics there. So sometimes I will just not even you like turn it off. Just like, I'm not going here with you. And uh. maybe that's good, but sometimes that's not the best course of action. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I I love hearing you say that because it sounds <clears throat> a little self um, like self preservation. And I think we mm -hmm. talked about that in the in the pre show that sometimes things like you said, it's not in the moment for you. This stays with you a little longer um, than say like someone who doesn't have empathy high and they're not using those empathy talents like that. So understanding where this might be too much for you to take on in the moment, it does sound a little bit like a, a self preservation in that mode. Um, do you have anything else to share about how this might show up um, in that negative light or, or can we flip it over to the positives? Oh uh, yeah, we can flip it to the positive. <laughs> okay. Let's do that. All right. So, so what, what I love about it is that all of our themes, like Chad said, we, we like to call it our, like our, our double-edged sword or, or the dark side and the light side. So when we're using this in our, in our best ways and it's really benefiting our life and work, um, share with us some of, some of those things and, and um, I'd love for you to touch back on that mutuality. Um, mm -hmm. We'd had that in, in our Relator episode. If you, if you missed that, go check that one out. Um, but they, we talk about that deep sharing comes from a mutual place. And if there, there isn't that mutual sharing, um, we, we don't tend to continue those relationships. So I think it's one, a wonderful thing about the um, empathy theme as well. Mm -hmm. Go ahead with Yeah, you. well, some, some uh, things I really appreciate about empathy is in my work of speaking or coaching or writing, it really helps me play to the audience. I, I will put myself in the audience's shoes and think what will be helpful for them. What's extemporaneous? What doesn't matter? Oh, sure. Throw that out. Or what will be useful? What will be helpful? I really try to make my, my time, my words matter. You know, uh, make I'm pretty pragmatic and, pre and pretty practical. And so I think it helps me play to the audience and make mid-course corrections. If I'm like mm. strategic does that as well on the thinking side. Yeah. But for empathy, I'm really able to kind of dial in and be attuned to the audience or the person in front of me and go, oh, let me change course here. Let me explain this a little bit more. Like, or I'm going too deep. Let me back off. I'm really kind of watching and waiting to see what the response is and I can adjust my approach. That's super helpful, uh, super helpful for me. Um, I, I also um, uh, can appear 
to be caring and trustworthy. And it's not just a front. I, re I really hope I am. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you when you open yourself up and empathize with others, that creates trust. It creates openness. You're approachable. And so that has really helped me um, in, in life and work to just be known as someone who you can go to, you know, you can trust, you can count on him because he's open emotionally. That's been that's been really good. I think I'm known as an approachable, caring person um, to others. Uh, I think empathy also. Oh, go ahead, Chad. Oh no, I was just going to ask you. You know, we talked a little bit about this. Um, I know it came up in our relator episode, and I know that we touched on a little bit on it in our our pre-show with you about um, the caring almost coming over into like an advocate uh, mm -hmm. sort of role, and I think you would briefly talked about how this sort of plays between like you your wife and your kids um and trying yeah. to show appropriate care to each side mm -hmm. uh, but then sort of a mediator advocate yeah it, i guess if you could just go into that a little bit because i think you described it so much better than i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. butcher it um but uh, because empathy is not super high and i've come at things <laughs> from much more of a like responsibility and you need to get done what you need to get done and um, coming at it from that perspective, but um, given that both you and I have have kids, I think that that would be a really helpful example to share. Yeah, um, I'm often kind of an mediator, translator type of role <laughs> um, with empathy. You know, where in the family life, for example, you know, uh, my wife may have one perspective, one view of things. My kids may have another, or between siblings, they may have different perspectives or interests of course from one another and so i often find my role being kind of like um bringing the other's perspective helping them voice it um i'm attuned mm. to that and so uh i can help conversations happen i mean i just did that last night with <laughs> kind of a high stakes situation at home it felt <laughs> high stakes at the moment you yeah. know between family members like kind of advocating for the other person going, I can see what they're saying here. Let's just like dig in a little bit more and not let this fight be like the last word between you, you people before y'all go to bed, Yeah, you know? And so, yeah. So I'm often like feeling what others are feeling, trying to present that to the other in order for uh, further conversation and kind of peace to happen. Hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy doing it, but what's challenging sometimes is when I feel I get stuck between two priorities. Mm. Like, is my priority here to align with my wife or is my priority here to make my kid feel really supported or is my priority to let an older kid sort of lead the younger kid without the younger kid having to be equal in a situation i mean it's it's hard sometimes to navigate those priorities that's where i don't like to be um and i feel like i'm a disloyal or something to someone <laughs> yeah wow that's yeah. awesome and one of the things that um i i was thinking about when you were saying that about your um about last even just last night that you you had this situation happen after we had our her pre-show I'm thinking about um, some of the things you shared with us about this clearing and refilling practice that that you need mm -hmm. to, that you need to go through. And I wondered if you could share with us some some of our listeners some of that yeah. that you shared with us earlier. Well, a lot of my days are filled with um, people work, um, whether it's coaching sessions or it's workshops I'm leading. So a lot a lot of access with I mean time with people, which I love. But I am I am um, throughout the day, kind of a sponge. I'm like, I'm like sponging in people's feelings, their points of view, their perspectives. And it's, it can be draining at the end of the day. It's exciting, thrilling work, but it can be draining. And so I find that if I don't have a sort of clearing practice before I rejoin my family for the evening, then there's not much left emotionally for me. Um, and so I know that if it's like, like zoom meeting after zoom meeting or face to face or workshop, workshop, whatever, I, I really need, um, time alone to just not intake 
to not be needed by anyone, to just decompress and refill. Before I, I rejoin the family, I will know a cons I will see a considerable difference in my my energy, my mood, my behavior in the evening, between whether I do have that time before I rejoin or don't. You know, because um, yeah. it's sort of like if I don't, I'm like, don't even don't even talk to me like family. I just need like I'm a bear, you know, <laughs> probably a nice bear, you know, but still a bear. Um, and that's not how I want to show up at home. Yeah. So what's better now is I work about 15 minutes in a co-working space away from home. And so I use that 15 minutes, you know, to um, decompress, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that I am ready back in COVID days, um, or even when we first moved to this new town and I didn't work out of the home because that transition just happened recently, actually, where I started working here at the co-working space, there was no decompression time and I acknowledged it. I saw it. I knew it. So I would do things like walk the dogs, but don't invite anyone else to come with me. <laughs> like, honey, can I come? No, it's just no. me and the dogs. Yeah. You know, because I just needed that that time. So you know that helps me. Um, but but having a clearing practice that does intentionally shift me from intake mode to like filling mode to now I'm available for my family mode has been really key. I, and I found that so amazing when you shared that with us because that's something from empathy I hadn't considered that you actually needed time to. Uh, maybe ring out some of you, you said that idea of a sponge and you're soaking right. up all of this stuff. Like maybe you need time to ring, ring out what you've pulled in already so that you actually have time and energy and that space to, to pull in more chat. It kind of reminds me of your learner, how you needed to soak stuff up <laughs> and ring it back out later yeah. to someone else. Yeah. It's, it's learn and then share. Um, what I'm finding really powerful about this whole idea. And I know Chris is just one perspective on, on empathy, but I've, I've heard similar things from, other people I've, I've coached with empathy. And what I'm just reflecting on is that for team leaders to recognize that if they have somebody with, with empathy on their team, that like them leaving maybe a few minutes early so that they have a decompression time or taking that slightly extra long lunch, you know, don't get caught up on the minutes because those minutes are yeah. valuable to, to somebody with empathy talents like yours that I've been soaking up all this emotional energy, you know, whether it's all morning or all day, I need a second to like kind of, you know, clear the system, you know, you know, flush the lines a little yeah. bit before going back into the next, uh, um, next engagement, whether that's a workshop or an evening social or, you know, uh, you know, business mixer or whatever. Um, you're going to get so much more out of your employee or you know colleague or whatever if you give them that time so that's yeah. just a, a beautiful takeaway i really appreciate you sharing that perspective because i think you know especially in our in our western civilization uh work world where it's go 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 all the time here you're talking about that opportunity to to take the pause or take the step away from the desk and do something that that mm -hmm. clears um so yeah just I mean, thank you very much for, for sharing that. Um, Jen, I realized not to go back in our conversation, but you mentioned that yeah. this is one of your dominance. I don't think we really ever asked you, like, in addition to what Chris has shared, are there any positives or, or ways that this shows up maybe a little differently in your life, negatives or positives that you wanted to share? I, I just realized we kind of missed your voice because you do have this as a dominant and I didn't want to want to leave you out of this. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, there, it's a lot of what Chris is saying. I hadn't ever thought of the emotional, um, I'm, I guess I'm going to use the word baggage like that, that I'm like soaking up this energy from others, but I definitely have felt that in the past. Um, it's, it's a self preservation game for me as well. And which is why I loved that, that Chris had highlighted that for him, because I do feel like there are conditions and moments in time when I'm like, I'm not sure that I need to be this invested in what's happening um 
and, and maybe I feel someone's oversharing or perhaps this is going in a different direction than I'm comfortable with. And so um, I think my deliberative, we, would, we had talked about that a little bit in the pre-show. I think my deliberative is like, okay, hold on. Like, let, let, me, let me just take an assessment here if this is really where I wanna go. Um, <laughs> but but I, I definitely feel that. Another thing I've noticed and I've always thought it came from my responsibility, but I also feel like it, that empathy might have a lot to do with that is if someone else is hurting, even if it's not my fault, I will take responsibility and maybe even apologize for something that someone else has done or something that someone mm -hmm. else is going mm -hmm. through. Um, I had joked my whole life being from Michigan that um, it must be because I'm so close to Canada, I'm sorry all the time. Um, but but <laughs> I, I, under, I understand now after seeing my, you know, seeing how my talents are at play, that empathy and responsibility put together um, I do tend to take responsibility for other people's emotions a lot of times. Um, and that's mm. not necessarily healthy or helpful for me. Um, so I just thought that was just really interesting to hear the difference um, when it is, you know, a top five versus um, a little lower in, in the scale for me. Yeah. So um, now that you brought that up, Chad, I, I would love to go back to um, you had even started with you've noticed it in some of the people you've coached in the past. So how do we want to spotlight, like I'd love to spotlight some of the different people that maybe the three of us have, have coached in the past that had empathy and how it might, how this thing might've shown up differently for them. Um, Chris, I want to start with you because you're our guest. Um, do you have any ideas or, or images or things that um, you've noticed in other clients? Yeah, um, one, one thing I'll point out that's sort of in addition to what's been already said is, this idea of, I've seen this in clients, avoiding work because you're feeling a lot of things. So it's mm -hmm. sort of like you're feeling dragged down emotionally and emotions feel very alive and real and strong. And so they're almost a deterrent from doing, doing work, actually tactical, the tasks, all that stuff, can, mm -hmm. kind of executing. Um, so an emphasis on feelings and relating away from a need to execute, um, okay. because those feelings feel very real time, very much something I need to pay attention to right now. It's very present. Mm -hmm. um, and that can just get in the way of work that has to be done. Um, and so some of the coaching I've worked, uh, some of the coaching I've done with, with clients, high empathy, it's sort of learning skills to be able to, uh, uh, come back to feelings for you to revisit later, but not in a sort of finding way to honor them, not disregard them, but just not lean into them, not do anything with them in the moment, yeah. revisit them later, because there are more pressing things to do, um, like maybe your job. <laughs> uh, <Sure>. and, <laughs> yeah, and so that's, that's a real, a real life um, client example. I, I think it's a wonderful one, too, because we've talked a, a lot about, um, especially in those moments where our, our strengths are coming on a little too, on a little too strong. And mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about this, like the power in the pause, like taking a moment to take a step back and like recenter, like mm. this is important, but it's maybe not something I should be dealing with right now. And it sounds like that that's worked for you, even in these like strong or, or for others in these strong emotional cases. Yeah, that's great. I'm just going to add one other thought to this. What I really loved about the way you described that, Chris, is that the person or persons that you were describing are essentially getting caught up in the executing on thinking about their feelings instead mm -hmm. of executing yeah. on the things that they actually need to be executing on. So it's not that it's not, like you said, it's not that they're not important. It's that they're taking the additional time to execute on the thinking about, well, what am I feeling? Or that, you know, as you said, they are very visceral. They're very real. They're almost tangible. Mm -hmm. I need to do something with this. And so you're taking time to, you know, walk around with those, you know, sort of walk around those emotions and figure out, well, where do I put these down? Or how do I process these so that they're manageable so that then I can get to the work. Um, but that's time away from the actual, other work that you need to deal, you know, and, and, you know, Jen and I share responsibility really high and, um, you know, it is about the execute. I mean, Jen's got four executing themes in her, in her, in her top five. So, 
Um, I guess very much the the instinct to to get stuff done. Um, I just picking up on Jen's question, I, I wanted to add to the conversation. This is one of the few places where I feel like I actually have something to offer because with empathy <laughs> mm-hmm. being 15 and it's not super um super high and super intense for me. But it's been really interesting. I've been working with a few people just over the last couple of months uh, that have empathy um, fairly high on their list. And there were a couple of things that kind of struck out and each one was a little different. So I had one that mentioned that you talked about uh, that emotional radar very early on, Chris. And this person said that they actually get a better read on individuals when they're in a group setting. And kind of the way that the image I at least came up with to, to understand it was it's almost like being in a, in a metro area and have a bunch, of, a bunch of different radio stations. And by having the contrast, you could kind of tell like, what's the country station? What's the rap station? What's the you know, pop culture station? And so it was only by having that contrast versus just having a singular broadcast station, which was, well, this is what music looks like you could start to differentiate the the granularity, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Um, Yeah. Uh, The other one that, you know, was a bit surprising to me, and I think it's taking your sort of positive approach of understanding the perspectives that are or are not in the room and kind of flipping it to maybe a less than ideal application of it, which is using that information basically manipulate the conversation, which is, oh, I know what they need. I know the perspective they're going after. So I'll feed into that so that they kind of move along and maybe leave my office or leave the situation or, but (laughs) using that, that second, you know, you talked about that two-tier communication perspective or that two-tier perspective, using that in a way to move things along. So maybe I don't have to deal with a situation for as long as I want, or I can just tell this person what they want to hear so that they go and do what they need to do. Um, that That's probably one that will, you know, I'll want to hopefully continue to address with that particular um, coaching client, but I thought it was a very interesting initial read on the theme. Um, and then though the other one, that I found really interesting, which was using empathy almost on yourself, which was mm-hmm. using empathy to really kind of feel and understand their own emotions. And that was the first time I'd ever heard it used with an internal focus instead of like what we've talked about, picking up what others are kind of broadcasting. You know, what are the feelings coming into the situation? Um, I just thought that was a, mm-hmm. you know, it it was just another perspective and not one that I'd heard about, especially, um, you know, Chris and I got trained at the same time. And I know in in our uh, training session, our, our facilitators were really about, you know, this is, this is that sixth sense um, Mm -hmm. talent of, Oh, you can feel Mm -hmm. beyond the the traditional five senses of taste, touch, um, sight, smell. Um, And this, this is that sixth one that can get in the mix. And so to have it focus internally was new. Yeah. I don't think that happens automatically. Um, Some folks are really good at being attuned to their own feelings, but I think empathy can, empathy can kind of cloud the feeling picture because you can uh, be sensing other people's feelings or residue of other people's feelings. Mm. And we have to work to go, what, what am I, how am I doing? Like checking in with ourselves and really go, what is like the, I need to dust off <laughs> those people's feelings and sort of be aware of what I'm feeling. Um, so I think it can, that that sort of self-attunement or self-awareness of one's emotions can vary from person to person in empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it's great. You both brought that up because that was one of the things I saw most in the clients that I, that I coach that have empathy high is that they were able, like they, they felt exactly like you're saying, Chris, like they could pull in these emotions, understand what's happening with the people around them, 
but it clouded their own um, feelings mm -hmm. and emotions in that moment and that they it would just drain them like they if they were around someone who was who was really upset about something even if they weren't talking about it it they could feel it and to a point where yeah. they were just emotionally drained from that situation they don't even know what it is um you know but that they can feel that that emotion so that i yeah. love the the conversation here about how they could even like tap back into their own emotions and really see like what's going on with me is this something i need to carry um like in those instances where they don't even know what that is um even though they're picking it up yeah yeah i mean th that's a really good practice to have throughout the day for folks high in empathy is to you know periodically during the day just check in and go like, what's mine? What's not mine? Um, it's the same question I ask with high responsibility too, but that's more in terms of owning things, right? So I do the same with emotions. What's mine? What's not mine? And and it's almost too much to do it at the end of the day. If you have a lot of people interaction, yeah. um, if you're working by yourself all day, okay, that's a different story. <laughs> but if you're having a lot of you know, contact with people, I think doing it mul multiple times a day is good because you can really lose touch of yourself and how you're doing if you don't make it a practice. Yeah. That's great advice. Uh, one other perspective, I, I realized just now that there was one other uh, way in which I've, I've heard empathy I, and it, I assume it could probably be used as both good and bad. Um, but I've heard from some people that have empathy that they almost have um, kind of premonitions about like something coming, like, um, you know, somebody's pregnant, but they haven't told anybody yet, but just somebody with empathy, like sitting next to them, they're like, something's up, isn't it? <laughs> Is there something you want to yeah. share? I've heard that. Does that resonate with either of you? Like if you sensed things that were about to happen or you, you think it's going to happen. And then like two weeks later, something unfolds that like, yeah, that's kind of what I thought was going to happen. Um, Jen, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah I, only, only in that, um, I, you know, and I think I, it comes from a different place for me a little bit, <clears throat> but um, it's that, <clears throat> you know, something's not said, like there's something there that's happening and it's in the background. It's not being said, but like you can like, like you said, you can feel it, you, you know, there's something up here and I'm not that great at understanding what that is, but I know something's like, you know, something's afoot here. Um, <laughs> Chris, how about with you? Well, the, the baby example is funny because that's happened <laughs> twice to me oh, in, wow. like, in like the past uh, three months, maybe. Oh, dear. oh my gosh. <laughs> I was talking to this one guy on the phone. It's so funny. This one guy on the phone that I knew from Pennsylvania, our old town. We hadn't talked in a while and he's talking and he's like a fairly newlywed. Like, like we're just talking and I just said, so when's the baby due? And he's like, <laughs> what how do how do you know this and he just was like i just know didn't you tell me this already he's like no we're not telling anyone oh my gosh <laughs> so that was kind of interesting and then oh. the other one was um so, i mean similar where i just knew knew the wife was pregnant before it was said and yeah. so um i'm not like the baby whisperer <laughs> no, no. or anything <laughs> like that and but, i didn't uh, mean to jump on that example that's... as like the example but it was um you know i I forget where empathy lands for my wife, but she has this weird sort of sixth sense around things that are going to happen at work or major announcements. Um, wow. And, you know, it just, it brought up this whole th thought process around, you know, feeling things and being aware at sort of that sixth sense level. Um, yeah. And I was just wondering if that plays out for either of you and that's the so so if we want to keep focusing on the babies great but that was not <laughs> the only place that i saw this happening and want yeah. to just clarify that uh that was i was using that as, as purely one example um that's pretty so. amazing though chad that, that even chris had two examples recently of this happening just makes me laugh it, it also makes me think um if you have someone close to you who has empathy high your secrets may not be as hidden yes. as you think they are, yeah. right? True, yeah. yeah. Interesting, interesting. Um, so 
you know, we've had a lot of fun with this uh, baby whispering uh, thread, but I, I want to keep us moving along here. Um, think about other images we can we can uh, use to think about this set of baby whisper. Um, Chris, when you think about this theme or trying to describe it to somebody, are there images that come to mind? You know, in past episodes, we've we've referenced pop culture. We've just images that we see on a daily basis. Um, items around our house that we might, you know, click into as an image to keep in mind. You know, we're we're all fairly visual uh, creatures um, on in general. Um, just wondering if there's an image that maybe some people that might not even have empathy that high could keep in mind when they think about this theme that could be a reference point. Well, I think of empathy like a sponge. We've talked about it already. Where we're we're sort of soaking up, intaking uh, people's feelings, their experiences, their perspectives, and um, we're getting quite full. We're getting quite full uh, by the end of the day with with what we're you know absorbing. Um, so I, yeah, I think I think of empathy like a sponge. Um, we need to be like squeezed out, you know, yeah. periodically in order for us to take on new. Because I, I do think we can hit a tipping point where it's just like overwhelmed. You know, um, that's why a clearing practice is helpful yeah. because then it readies us to receive maybe from our, our family, our loved ones, or just for the next person that, that shows up. Yeah. So I think of a sponge. I also think of a golden retriever. Ah. We've got this great golden retriever. <laughs> so loyal. So really empathetic. Like he, he knows when something's up. And he'll go and just put his head on your lap, you know, or he'll just look up with his big puppy and not be anymore, but big doggy eyes. <laughs> he's he's loyal. He's he's trustworthy. He's really in tune, I feel like, emotionally yeah. as well. So I think of the golden retriever and I also think of a heart as a symbol, just yeah. empathy. We're kind of open hearted. If we choose to be, you know, sometimes <laughs> we don't, but yeah. you know, sort of open hearted and um uh available open access um and and uh rich emotionally okay awesome images to start us off jen did you have any to add yeah i i love the the golden retriever one um i'm not adding to it as much as i'm agreeing and that dogs in general tend to have that ability to do that you know that's why they have like the the pet therapy programs, you know, where you take the animal in and it makes the kids feel better. Um, I've also seen way too many YouTubes and different little snippets of videos of some of an owner with a, like a, a limp or they hurt their leg and they're not using it anymore. And next thing you know, their four-legged dog will walk on three legs. You know, it's like the things that our dogs can sense and pick up from us, I think are just amazing um and have had that personally that experience personally with my dog where i'm so anxious now i've made him anxious so mm. it's i i think that you know bringing that point up as a as a reminder to those who maybe don't have empathy high that if you you have someone close to you that does they, they are probably sucking these emotions from you and and feeling mm. them as well yeah it kind of on that point i i learned something genetically the difference between a wolf and a house like a, a dog a house at yeah. a dog is this one trait of um openness to experience so wolves are more cautious they're not really open to stimulus or different experiences so they're caught you know they're cautious protect themselves whereas dogs in a house are open to experience huh. they're warm so I think that empathy is is pretty open to expression, pretty open to feelings, emotions, and experiences. And so I think the golden retriever idea might actually be a, a pretty good image mm -hmm. because folks who are highly empathetic are kind of open, open. to yeah. uh, various expressions, experiences in their environment. So great. Yeah. That's interesting about wolves. I didn't know that. Thanks yeah. for that little like extra tip there. <laughs> Thanks, Netflix. Chad, did you have any images? Yes. Yeah, so I, you know, I've already brought up sort of the, the emotional radar station, whether you're broadcasting or, or receiving. Um, but I think that there was another one that really kind of struck me, particularly when we were talking in our pre-show about 
Um, you know, both of you have brought up this mutuality of you know openness and whether you're kind of sharing. Um, and when we're talking about that, I started to think about um, for those of you that are Star Trek fans, that Spock mind meld where mm. you know the the reaching in and really trying to understand how somebody's feeling. But then there's also got to be a little bit of openness. I mean, it, I think Spock says in one of the movies, you know, it works better when this, the person actually wants to participate or will allow me to in, you know, enter their mind. Um, so I th that was one image that sort of struck me when both of you were talking about that, the mutuality aspect of this, um, this set of talent, theme, uh, this set of themes, these set of talents, sorry, I got tongue tied. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that would be the only other image I had. I, I being a dog guy myself, I completely get the the dog analogy. So I'll, I'll throw a, a little extra, uh, you know, thumbs up on that one too. <laughs> so, um, so moving away from images and and how you kind of live this out for yourself, you know, one of the things we've always liked to try and cover in in these episodes is start to think about the impact on teams, right? You know, we're yeah. by nature we're usually a pretty collaborative species um you know we're in work environments where we tend to build collaborations and you know as strengths coaches we know that we need each other um but we also know that each talent theme can go kind of dark or have a negative impact on mm -hmm. on the, a team and so i'm going to open this up to you chris first if you could think about maybe a um, couple potential negative impacts particularly as we think about a leader that might have empathy. And then also if you want to maybe answer for sort of an individual contributor or somebody that's not necessarily leading the team, but is actively contributing, if they're bringing in their empathy a little hot um, or not at all. Mm. What's the, what are the ne negative implications? Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think um, a negative implication in a for a team leader might be um avoid sort of being too attuned to the person's feelings mm -hmm. so not giving him or her real feedback critical feedback um maybe not holding him or her accountable because you're sort of so wrapped up in the person's feelings and personal experience mm -hmm. that you're not saying what needs to be said or doing what needs to be done i think mm -hmm. that that could be a negative on a leader um i also think that sometimes leaders high in empathy, um, although you want to develop, um, you, although you, you want to develop strong um, emotional intelligence and social awareness and all that, sometimes they can be too dialed into emotions and not, um, where, where it can turn more, maybe more thinking oriented people off or maybe more, um, uh, sort of, um, executing oriented people off because it's, like a little bit too feeling oriented, a little too mushy. Yeah. Um, I've, I've seen that. Um, on the flip side for individual contributors, um, like we said before, what, what can be negative on a team is being, yeah, being too feeling oriented, not getting one's work done. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That can okay. be negative. And then so that, therefore you're kind of seen as a little bit um, unreliable in in your workload that's one um i also think that if you're too empathetic meaning you're experiencing a lot of emotions and they're deep that you can come across a little bit unpredictable mm -hmm. um and on a team you want to know what yeah. you can expect from team members yeah and so highly empathetic people can come across a little bit just like a loose cannon uh what are they gonna what are they gonna get today from this yeah. team member you know, um, and yeah. so that is uh, that could be a negative as well. That's a really yeah. good point about mm -hmm. the unpredictability. I was thinking about um, a, a LinkedIn post I just put up, uh, kind of re reviewing the four needs of followers, and one of them stability. And mm -hmm. so, yes, leaders have a, a um, call to, to fulfill those, um, those needs, but our peers do to a certain extent also, you know, if we don't have a stable yeah. environment to come into and kind of know what to expect, that can be really off-putting. I think that's a great share. Um, I, uh, I very much uh, would reinforce all those ideas. Uh, the one I, I would love to, I, I want to hear from Jen, then I've got a couple I, I know I'd like to 
to uh, to voice out because I think the they're pretty important. But um, Jen, I'd love to hear from you as well. I think back going back to to what I heard, um, what we were talking about earlier, and what I've heard from others is is that that like a negative like the negative emotions. If there's a lot of negative emotions in the team, they they can tend to shut down maybe. And so it's like what we talked about before. Maybe they're not engaging. Um, because of whatever else might be going on around them. And so they've pulled themselves out of it. And that can also lead to that instability, not really understanding where that person comes from, or or maybe even in the compassion sense, you know, from our team members and our team leader, we, we need that, we need that compassion for one another. So I think this is another place where if you've either decided you're going to dial it way up or way down and you're just shutting off completely, um, that you you could negatively impact your team either way there. Chad, did yeah. you want to share yours? Yeah, I just, the only other big one that I would um, add is that I think particularly for a team leader, somebody with empathy, well, it's great to use that to understand the team. And we're going to get to the positives in a second. It, when it comes to decision-making and leading almost too much with intuition versus what the data might mm -hmm. be telling you. Now, I will... Sure. For full disclosure, I've analytical is number five. So I, you know, very much love a black and white answer, uh, something that's data driven, that's been metriced out. You know, those all things are appealing to me. But if you've got a bunch of, you know, me like people on your team, and you as a team leader are going, well, my 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 empathy and my intuition is telling me we're going to go in this opposite mm -hmm. direction. You you really start to cause a rift with those around you that might be looking for you know how are we actually thinking through decisions instead of just gut um gut feel so i think that that's that's something that you know particularly if they go too far they might start to ignore solid data um so just that's one place that i would i would um add i think the other things that the other comments I had were along the lines of what you shared about, you know, just getting too wrapped up in the emotions of the team and sort of leading to that indecision because you're trying to balance it all. You know, going back to, I think it was Chris, you made the point of trying to figure out what's yours, what's not, yeah. and, you know, yeah. what decisions are mine, what's, you know, are, am I basing those on those people, th that person's feelings or my own feelings or my own um, sense of this situation or somebody else's sense of the situation. So just that lends itself to indecision because now you're not sure where your decision-making is coming from. Um, yeah. I, the only other thing I would add for the individual contributor side is they absorb so much emotional weight that they cannot constructively contribute. That mm -hmm. I think that's in line with some uh, some of what you shared already is that they just become so overwhelmed. It's kind of going back to that, you know, I can't get my work done. But now you're mm -hmm. in a team situation. Now you can't even positively contribute. Never mind, get your yeah. own work done. So, um, so yeah. So <laughs> let's let's pull this back to like how we can positively um, yeah. contribute to the team, whether from the team leader's perspective and the team um, in the individual contributors. I'd love to hear your insights on on how you feel this this talent can help us, Chris. Well, Chad mentioned the top four needs of followers. Um, security being one of them, um, we know hope for the future is another one. Two more would be trust and care yeah. uh, from those leaders. And I think empathy is a really, really great talent to use to build the trust and the care mm. um, on your team. There's other ways to build it too. You don't have to have a relationship theme to build trust and care, but, yeah. but empathy is a really great way to do that. Um, and so if you can um, can empathize with your team, uh, express regard for their feelings and their experiences, be in tune with them. Like that's gonna that's going to be a commodity really for you as a leader. Um, so that's great. Um, and I also think that if you have high empathy, you have a pretty good pulse of the team itself, mm -hmm. what the team's thinking, feeling. If you don't have high empathy, that's a great role for a contributor on the team to serve you in them sort of communicating the pulse, the vibe, the feeling of the team. Yeah. Um, if you're not so inclined to pick that up. 
what I'm hearing is like almost being an advocate or the, or the voice for others then in that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah, and, and probably you're trusted if you're an individual contributor contributor with high empathy you're probably trusted by your team as well to represent them because mm -hmm. you do that pretty well naturally and so it's really great it's really a mediator advocate who can speak and be trusted both by leader and also rest of team that's yeah. awesome it's a great point mm-hmm Jen, I know you asked the question, but I'm going to jump right back to you because you've got this theme much higher than I do and probably use it a little bit more frequently. So um, what are your thoughts on leaders that have this or, or individual contributors that have this and the contributions they make? I want to go back to that intuition um, conversation we had in the negative impacts because like, like you guys were saying that, yeah, that you might have an, a leader who has a, a team full of analyticals and they want you know the hard data before we move on um but you might be a leader with high empathy and you just know that this is the right thing for the team this is the mm -hmm. right thing moving forward um I, I think that's another thing that the the empathy is really this strong ability to pull together what might be right for the individuals and then make a decision for the team moving forward where I hadn't ever really thought that through before um, before our pre-show but after listening to you know the conversation the discussion understanding you know how it how it works for you how it shows up for me and then really thinking back to some of the leaders and the team members that I've been you know part of before that had had empathy high I could see that intuition, that ability to sense those emotions, know how they're going to land and be able to make decisions for the team moving forward, I think is a just really powerful, just beautiful place. Mm. Yeah, I'll definitely, the talent. Yeah, I'll definitely second that one. That was gonna be one that I was gonna bring up. Um, no, it's it's great that you got out in front of it because, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely, I, I see, you know, not, as one that does not have empathy high, I, I do see that there's a, a balance there. It's kind of a yin and yang. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the right balance of, you know, the solid data, but then every once in a while, you know, there's going to be that gut call that's just got to be made. And maybe, yeah. you know, those of us with learner and analytical and, you know, a couple other themes that are very much about processing and thinking big broad, um, we may not have the time to, to go deep. And so sometimes you need somebody to step in with that intuition and, and make the call. So I, I, I very much second that. Um, well, Chad, hopefully at, the, at that point, if, if you know, I'm your leader with empathy and you're my team member with high analytical and learner, you know I've got your best interests in mind. You know, you, you know I'm thinking about how this is gonna land for you yeah. and how it's gonna work out, how it's going to feel. Um, so chances are I'm already coming to you with some of the information to help you feel better about the decision even without having all of the hard data there yeah. so i think that's the wonderfulness of using these talents together and understanding each other and you know having this language to explain really what's going on yeah i would i'll just build on what we've said so far the the, the only other real big contribution i saw particularly from a team leader perspective is um you know, not just the pulse of the team, but really sort of the emotional health of the team. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how is this team doing? I, I, I got reflected on this after we, we held our pre-show and, you know, thinking about the, the last two years in terms of coming out of a lot of change and how yeah. people are feeling about all of it and just being able to accurately describe that emotional state and kind of surfacing that for, whether it's team discussion or whether you're being the advocate further up into the organization, you know, if you're a frontline leader, are you reporting to a VP or a, a, a C-suite person and really be able to, to verbalize that emotional health um, of where your frontline people are at, I think could be really um, a, a great contribution of, of these, these talents and how they can be used to, to improve the team and to be that advocate for the team. So that was going to be my only other, uh, only other big contribution to, to that conversation. So anything else from either of you? Okay. So as we wrap this show up, um, uh, we always like to sort of come to some summary points uh, so that especially if somebody's come to this far into the show, we've covered a lot of ground. 
Um, Chris and Jen, I really want to invite both of you to, to maybe throw out, you know, what are one or two things that you really think people should keep in mind, very top line um, thoughts on these talent themes and, and maybe how to engage people uh, who have them or if, or if you've got them, how do you, how do you use them, how to use them in their best way? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I think of empathy as being aware of other people's feelings and experiences, as well as advocating for other people. And so there's this dual kind of awareness and advocating that happens with empathy, um, which is really powerful. That's one. Uh, another thing I would say is that I think empathy um, gives validity and attention to people's feelings and experiences uh, in a way that we will feel known deeply by folks high in empathy. I think that is a, a treasure that others in with high in empathy can offer the world is the sense of you being known in deep ways, you feeling validated, paid attention to, um, and advocated for through this wonderful talent theme of empathy. Oh, that was beautifully Awesome. Said. <laughs> beautifully said. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure I'd be able to summarize it that well. Um, so thank you, Chris. <laughs> that's uh, a Jen, do you want to add a extra points I to mean, that, or like I feel just like let that, that was sit. a mic drop, mic drop moment? Uh, yeah, that was beautiful, Chris, because that that is something knowing that it's not terribly high for me, but knowing I have others that are close to me that have empathy high, that is how they make me feel. I know I'm validated and and loved, and that they truly can sense my emotions and and take that on to help me get through whatever that might be um you know in the moment and i, I just mm -hmm. think that's a beautiful place to to come with this talent and i'm so glad you said it thank you you're welcome so with that we're gonna wrap up our show i i, I don't want to put it much more on uh chris's awesome mic drop there <laughs> so i'm just gonna give my usual plug for those of you that have listened to our whole episode um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, um, we encourage you to leave reviews, leave us comments. Um, we're going to have Chris's contact information in the show notes, um, especially his uh, link to the challenge, uh, which I think is awesome that we highlighted at the top of the show. Um, but we just encourage you to come back and keep listening. We're going to keep having coaches like Chris on uh, to keep exploring a lot of the other Clifton Strengths uh, talent themes. And uh, with that, I'm going to thank again our wonderful guest, Chris, yes. my fellow co-host, Jen, and we're going to uh, wish everybody a great day. And thank you for listening. So thank you. Thanks. Have a great day, everyone.